Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I am your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films, filmmakers, and genres a consensus has deemed important, and thus I created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification. This month, I'm exploring some religious horror films, as recommended by Rick Guzman and Chelsea Bennington of Spooky Doings, and in this week's episode, I will be talking about Bill Paxton's feature-length directorial debut, 2001's Frailty, which was a film that I had seen before, albeit a long time ago, um, but it uh, left enough of an impression in my brain in which I remembered the the broad strokes of the film, and it was... This is um, something I was thinking about the entire time I was watching this movie was um, how how to engage with it with with a movie like this on a second viewing when a lot of its power relies on such a big late twist um, that would that spoil or take away some of the enjoyment of a second viewing for me. Now, there are certain films uh, that have, you know, late, um, you know, late movie twists or reveals that I don't think spoils the viewing experience, something like I'm thinking The Prestige, which in that film, I actually think it, um, I don't want to say the twist or the reveal enhances the film, but I think that there is not something lost in that movie when you watch it knowing what is ultimately going to happen. Um, but then there are other movies. Um, I'm thinking a little bit about The Sixth Sense, but then mostly I'm thinking about The Usual Suspects as a movie which, um, when you know the big reveal at the end, how much power is lost going back and seeing it again. And now The Usual Suspects I bring up because it's one that I saw the first time knowing that Verbal Kint was Kaiser Soze, I guess, sorry, spoilers for a movie, which at this point is, what, 30 years old, almost? But um, going into it and knowing that that was, the, that that was what was ultimately going to happen, I found myself not able to engage with the rest of the film um, because the, the, this twist was just so obvious to me. Like, it, like it wasn't... It wasn't um, it wasn't a situation in which there were seeds that were planted, which then going back, I could like, you know, realize, oh, wow, so this is going to lead to that. And this is going to, okay, this all makes sense. Instead, I was just kind of watching and thinking, Chaz Palminteri and every other character is such an idiot. How could they not have realized this is so obviously a fabricated um, plot device, basically? And, and there wasn't enough about the direction which... Um, with something like The Sixth Sense because of the um, the cinematography, which I think is from Tak Fujimoto. It's such a visually beautiful film um, and such kind of a, a, a sparse film of what M. Night Shyamalan chooses to depict and show that there is still a level of engagement that uh, that makes that movie uh, I- enjoyable. I mean, that, that, that even just uh, some of the, the horrific visuals of the, the bodies hanging in the school and that little girl in the tent... Um, but uh, the usual suspects was a movie which just kind of like the, there wasn't an, anything else about it that I that I that 
I appreciate it enough where it's like, well, okay, I know what the twist is going to be, but at least I have X, Y, or Z. Um, so this was in the back of my mind watching Frailty the whole time because um, I, I've seen Frailty before, and I guess if you haven't, um, spoilers coming up, but um, I knew that at the end of this film, or, or as it turns out, near the end of the film, not at the very end, um, that um, Matthew McConaughey's Fenton, um, is actually going to turn out to be Adam. And so the story of a, um, a young man who was abused and tortured by his father and had a, a, young, uh, a younger brother who just kind of went along with his religious, uh, religious zealot father um, was actually the other way around in which he was the younger brother who fully you know, bought into his father as a, a charged by an angel to slay demons on this earth. Um, it's a, it was a really interesting reveal, really powerful reveal the first time I saw it. Going into this um, second viewing, I thought, you know, how, how good of a movie is this going to be um, having seen this already and having known what the reveal is going to be? And was pleasantly surprised that there is plenty about this movie to appreciate even though I knew where the script was going to go and that has to do a lot with um, Bill Paxton's direction um, and it has just a lot to do with um, how smart of a film this is in how it is in how its horror is not a visceral horror but similar to The Exorcist how its horror is a personal one and it's not concerned it's a film that is not concerned with scaring you with grossing you out or when i say scares i mean you know black cat jumping out of a, a garbage can kind of scares or or grossing you out or or even kind of making you um you know tense but it's a film which makes you uneasy because of um a realistic quote-unquote realistic or an honesty about um emotional abuse and also how that is perpetuated by systems of authority and specifically systems of religious authority and religious authority figures. Um, my, um, my wife and I, like I'm sure many Americans and people around the world have been watching the vow on HBO max, the docuseries about the, um, the Nexium sex cult, um, if you will. And, and so this idea of how, uh, people are swayed and um, influence into believing something or even how people react to it or, or just how people can be broken down and beaten into believing a certain thing has been kind of at the forefront of my mind because of um, these tales of people who have who were indoctrinated into this cult and then kind of broke away and uh, attempted to break away some of their friends and relatives who were involved in it as well. Um, and so with that fresh perspective in my mind or some of those ideas in my mind, I went into this movie and, and was found a maturity and an honesty about, um, as I said, kind of emotional, psychological and religious abuse that was probably lost on me the very first time I saw this movie. The very first time I saw this movie, I was in college and was kind of amazed at the twist that came at the end. Um, and, and, and and also forgot how the the reveal that I talked about that um, Fenton is actually Adam, um, misremembering that I thought that that came at the very end of the movie, and in all actuality that's not the case. In in all actuality, we find out that Fenton is actually Adam, that Matthew McConaughey was actually the younger brother in the story that we have been told for the last hour plus. Um, that comes with about 15, 20 minutes left in the movie. Um, so we haven't even reached like 
the climax of the film yet, and yet we have this big reveal, and there is still a substantive amount of uh, substantive substantive substantial. There's a good amount of runtime um, that the film still has to go through after this information has been revealed to us. So there's there is a the our emotional reactions and engagement have just kind of been shocked, and then and and we have to sit with them for still 15, 20 minutes as the film proceeds to its climax and to its resolution. And um, watching this movie again, what made me so enthusiastic or, or effusive, I guess, in my response to the movie was, well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'll get to that. Because first, I, I, I want to... Uh, it, it helps to... At least it, it'll... It'll be better for me to explain my reaction to it or for you to understand my reaction to it if I first delve into um, or, or dig a little bit deeper into these um, ideas that the film deals with, which is um, how emotional abuse, how distrust of authority, and how strong-arming people into believing or following a certain thing isn't always a black and white scenario in the sense of not every cult leader, not every authority figure, not every father is snidely whip, uh, snidely whiplash, you know, um, twiddling his mustache as the, uh, the damsel is, is tied to the railroad tracks and the train is coming on. You know, it, it's it, oftentimes it's not um, a blatantly villainous person. Um, I was shocked to be reminded as I was watching this movie that Bill Paxton's character as the father is superficially or or he believes himself to be a loving, caring father. I had misremembered it and, and was operating on the assumption when I watched this movie for a second time that once he receives his mission from this angel to hunt down and kill these demons who are uh, disguised as real people, that he would then... It, that he, Not that he would then become this monstrous figure, but I had, I had um, misremembered that, just assumed that there was always something uneasy or angry about him, that he was... That when the film starts out and we first are hearing from uh, Fenton's story that um, his character is one to be feared... Um, that, that it wasn't a, a loving household to begin with, and then by being tasked allegedly by God to kill demons, um, it brings out uh, an evilness and a dangerous side which was only kind of hinted at initially, but which really now is, is, is magnified and allowed to um, really kind of explode. And that is not at all the case. Bill Paxton's character as the father is... As I said, um, a quote-unquote loving father. I mean, at the beginning, he very much is. He's got a great rapport with his kids. He cares about them. He drops them off and picks them up from school every day. Um, even though he admits that he's not great at math, he still tells you know his 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 oldest son who didn't do well on the math test. You know, like, well, um, you know, we'll take some time this weekend and we'll sit down and maybe we'll try and figure it out together. And I, I just love that little line: "Figure it out together." It just enhances what a positive loving environment these kids are living in i mean he is a single father um and he is doing the best he can to care for the kids that he, that he has um and yet even after he receives this task he very much believes that it's something that he doesn't want to do but he is tasked with doing it and that it is for the best and that 
even though he knows that his oldest son doesn't believe, um, doesn't want to follow, quote-unquote, God's will, and even though he punishes his son, um, he's the kind of dad that says, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. He doesn't say that in the movie, but you, you get the sense that he is a, a dad that has that attitude, that firmly believes that, that firmly believes everything he is doing is for the betterment of not just the world, but for his sons, too, that he takes on God's will, that he was charged with this mission to make a better world for his sons. And so there's there certainly is some hostility towards Fenton, especially, you know, he end up ends up locking him in a, in the in the basement of this this uh this hole that he forces um Fenton to dig. Um and even though it is to, to be clear, this is straight up emotional abuse. Um, the things that he does. I, I don't want. I don't want to say he is a loving father. He believes himself to be a loving father, and he believes everything that he is doing to have some type of benefit um, for people who are not him. Um, but there's not. You know, he's not an angry person. He's not a violent person towards his children, at the very least. And so, the film has this honest depiction of how. Abuse does not start out from someone who is telling the other, the victim, I am going to be abusing you. It, it, it can start wrapped up in seemingly love and affection and compassion and something which seems to be selfless and for the betterment. And then as Fenton continues to push back and this, this division, this schism between the two of them becomes more, more blatant and big then that the the victim abusing starts coming into play you know talking about this idea of like well you know i killed this man directly because of what you did after he kills the sheriff you know he 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 was the one that killed the sheriff he was the one that took an axe to the sheriff and murdered this individual but he blames it on his son an innocent man died because of you is what he tells his son and it's this idea of when when Love and compassion doesn't work out. That's when it. That's when the harsher reality sets in. That's when breaking down and victim blaming starts to come into play. To break down somebody's psyche until they believe what you believe. When in all honesty, what Fenton eventually embraces is not a belief. It is a way for him to escape from his imprisonment. He claims to go along with everything that his father is saying. He claims to have seen a vision of God, but it's not a belief. And, you know, even after he, you know, even after they, they finally, they set up the, the shed in the backyard with the, the hidden, you know, compartment to get down into this, this, uh, this hand dug dungeon, he says to, you know, his dad says to Fenton, um, I'm proud of you boys today. Uh, I'm proud of the work you did, especially you, Fenton. And Fenton turns and walks out and, and says um, something to the effect of, like, don't be, I was just doing what I was told. He doesn't have a belief in it. Um, and so it, it's one of those things, you know, certainly on Adam, on the younger brother, the he's a bit more naive and he, he, he has more trust. And that's the important thing. He trusts his dad more. And I think what's very what was a good decision on the part of Bill Paxton was we don't see until the very end, we don't see the allegedly evil things that these allegedly demonic forces have done. 
because the story is being told from what we believe, the story is being told from Fenton's perspective, from the perspective of someone who is distrustful and not believing of, of his father, then all we see are seemingly innocent people brought into the home, tied up and crying and begging. And then we see his father grabbing these people and shaking and saying, didn't you see their sins? Similar to The Exorcist, we have this outside perspective of, of what is going on. And so this, this outside perspective is approaching these allegedly supernatural haunting things from a rational, straightforward thinking perspective. The film doesn't clue us into um, what visions the father is or isn't having. And from what I understand from the IMDb trivia, um, Paxton had to be talked into that approach that James, it was actually James Karen who said, who told them not to show the visions because um, we need to be on board with Fenton. And by Fenton, you know, if we see the visions that his dad is having, then we see that there is something real and substantive. Once again, this happens that there, that there is something real and well, real to what his father has been saying. And so if that's the case, if we are clued in as the audience, like, well, this is clearly supernatural, then how are we supposed to be on board with this child who doesn't believe? You know? Because we know that there's an objective truth now instead of just a subjective truth. So it was a very smart decision not to include the visions, at least um, in the um, initial uh, main story that, that, that we're being told. And because when it comes down to it, before we know that Fenton is Adam, before we know anything, um, while we believe that this story is being told from an older brother perspective who did not believe in the things that his father told him, um, the only word that we have to take for granted, that anyone would have to take for granted, the only word that his younger brother Adam would believe in is just the word of, of, of his father, this authority figure, this moral and religious um, authority figure in this home, in this environment, who is saying this is the way it is and offering no proof. And it's funny because I was also thinking as I was as I was watching this episode, thinking back on why why this specific title that uh, that specifically Rick would be recommending and. Coming from an atheist, I understand, and I don't say that in a, in a derogatory or a pejorative sense. Rick is an atheist. He admits that he is an atheist. So just thinking, and especially, because basically what I started what I started thinking about was like, I mean, I could sit here and say, well, this is clearly bullshit. This guy clearly didn't was not visited by an angel. He is clearly not put on this earth to kill demons. The only proof that we and or Fenton have is his word, is his say-so, is whatever trust was built up as him being a father and an authority figure, that we have to go along with him on blind faith. And this blind faith gets us into following a murderer, a clearly unwell, mentally unwell man who believes that innocent people are demons, and so he he assaults them, he kidnaps them, and he kills them in front of his children. The only way that anyone can be on board with that horrific journey is if we accept that everything this man says based on no proof whatsoever. That is horrible. And yet, thinking about this from the perspective of Rick, 
who has been a longtime devout atheist. Think back to the story, even the story about um, um, uh, when he was a, a small kid and there was a story of Adam and Eve and he was saying, how could there, you know, how could Cain and Abel marry other women or, well, Abel was killed, but how could Cain go off and marry another woman if the only woman in the story we had been told of previously was Eve? Did he marry his mom? Where were there other women? The text didn't tell us there are other women. And yet as a child, the response to that is, shut up, trust us, listen to this, we are the authority. So I, I'm, I'm looking at this story, that, uh, you know, this film of this guy who claims to be a, a demon hunter and wants to indoctrinate his children into demon hunting when it seems very clear to me, for the most part, till the end, that there is nothing real about his claims, that this is all bullshit. This is horrible. How could anyone believe this guy who says this one thing? And yet, from the perspective of someone like Rick, from the perspective of an atheist, from a skeptic, um, this huge lie, or what we see as a lie, coming from this person that we are forced to believe just because they are the authority figure and they tell us this is how it is, this must be the way, this is how it happens, it's in the same ballpark as, hey, there were other women out there. Trust us. We are the authority. One seems innocent and one seems huge, and yet they are still, the similarity between them is still a lie, which is a seeming lie, I want to say. Um, a, 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 a lie which stems from a person of authority saying, without proof, you have to believe me, you have to trust me. This is just the way it is. And so do you see how the seed can be planted with one and can germinate into something else? And so that struck me as I was watching this movie. That was certainly a context that I didn't have when I first watched it. I should, um, in full disclosure, say that I first watched this in college, and in college, uh, the college I, I went to just happened to be a, a private Christian college. Um, so there's a different um, uh, perspective on, on that sort of story as well. But then... Getting back to the reveal and what makes that so powerful to me is this idea, this the theological idea, at least. If we're watching this movie for the first like hour and ten minutes or so, and we see this dad being, the, 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 we see this the tale of this dad telling his kids, there are demons, I have been appointed by God to kill them, you must also aid me in my quest whether you want to or not, because it is truth with a capital T. This is um, obviously horrible, um, and we, as a viewer, um, if we're watching this for the first time and, and relating to Fenton, as we're seeing these horrific things develop, we, we, we basically like, okay, for this to make any sense whatsoever, there, this, this world, this story, in order for this to make any sense whatsoever, we can only accept one of two conclusions, basically, that... Um, there is, um, well, I guess there is a third one, that there is no God whatsoever. But within the confines of this film that certainly wants, you know, that, that certainly except at the very beginning, there is, is a God. Um, or at least their characters very much believe there is one. Let's say that. In order for this story to make any sense, that there is this guy who says he's appointed by God to kill demons, in order for his declaration to be true or for him to think that it's true 
we can only come to one of two conclusions. That this is not what God wants, and this man is unwell and doing something which is clearly evil. Or, this is exactly what God wants. And for an hour, ten-ish or so minutes, we are firmly sat we, we firmly sit in the camp of this is there is a god but this is not what god wants and this man is evil and we are comfortable with that we are comfortable with those conclusions that we draw that we already have maybe with inside of us and then with that reveal fenton is actually adam adam is now the god's hand killer and the reveal that he does indeed have the ability to see people's sins when he touches them, and then to reveal to us what he saw in some of the victims, or demons, I guess we can say now, that his father brought home, confirms, yes, this is real. (laughs) They were demons. These were their sins. And thus, This is something that God wanted and ordained, and this is the God that exists. A vengeful, angry, violent God. And then, knowing that, that the the film has kind of pulled the emotional rug out from under us and revealed to us, nope, the dad was right. Adam was right. This is a real thing. We're so kind of taken aback and shocked, and then we still have to sit there for 15 and 20 minutes and see that Adam is protected by God and continues to do his work. He kills Powers Booth, you know, the the FBI guy, which, stepping back for a little bit, let's be honest, Powers Booth always kind of plays scumbag, so it's fine that we kill the Powers Booth character. Let's all accept that that's emotionally uh, and, and physically, physically, but emotionally kind of okay. But then proceeding to further the story that we see in the VHS tapes the FBI has that he is protected by God, um, that he's going to get away with these murders, and that with a seemingly wife standing next to him with a pregnant belly, this is going to continue going on, that God is going to continue protecting this man while doing these terrible things. Now, I guess an argument could be made, well, if these people are demons, then the work that he is doing is good. Except, then I I guess it comes down to what is your definition of demon? Because we certainly have confirmation that these people have sinned and that Matthew McConaughey is able to see these people's sins. But then does that make them demons? And even, even aside from that, even if they are not demons, um, what where is ultimately the line drawn in the sense of you will be killed for this sin, but you will be spared for this sin? Because none of us are without sin. That's what it, basically every religious text kind of teaches us. Or I shouldn't say that. I don't know enough about other religious texts. But that's what the Bible teaches us. No one is without sin. And this man is allegedly appointed by God to be the arbiter of which sin is worth murder and which is not. Well, that's horrifying. It's horrifying and cynical, not just about um, a God that exists in this universe, but also about authority figures. 
to terrible is a horrifying thought. And that's what makes this movie so powerful is the horror of the abuse that we see these characters being put through, or at least Fenton. Fenton being put through. Fenton, the one that we related to so much, the one that seemed like he was in the right, and yet is ultimately killed. And the one that we thought so horrifying, Adam, this young kid who blindly accepted everything his father told him just because his father told him it, he is protected by God. It's horrible. And the fact that there's that rug pull-out moment from us, and we still have to kind of sit with it, sit with that horror of we were wrong and not just that, but now let it, let's look as Adam proceeds to be right. It's a, it's a, man, it's a fucking, it's a great technique, and it's a very good movie. So this was one that, despite the fact that I had seen it before, um, there was nothing lost uh, in watching it again. There was only, I, I think, new appreciation. Um, I'd be curious... Uh, to watch it for a third time because now that I've you know now that I have gotten the plot out of the way in my first viewing and now that I've um, you know confirmed that my journey through it again was a valid one I'd be curious to watch it for a third time and just see okay with knowing everything which is to come in terms of plot and emotion and knowing or, or, or sitting assured in the fact that this is a well-made movie what other things can I notice from the editing, or from the cinematography, or for something. This is one thing I forgot to mention. Um, the performances. Um, they are not great, but they're also far from bad. Bill Paxton is always very good, and one of the things that struck me about this movie was how it has a real kind of 1950s um, innocent, nostalgia kind of vibe to it, including, you know, at the very beginning, the three of them all sitting around the table joking with each other, um, Bill Paxton joking with his youngest son about how bad his breath is and, you know, kissing them goodnight and that sort of thing. Like, there, there's a real innocence to it. And I think that's intentional. Because then when the darkness comes in, we first question it and doubt it. And we doubt it and we push it back against it and we fight against it for so long until it's revealed that it's everything we were told was true. And only when we have that first establishing of innocence and so much emotional and psychological effort into pushing back against it and our certainty of what we believe is right, can that reveal really be a gut punch and really catch us off guard and really make us reevaluate everything? It's a really powerful movie. I haven't seen anything else Bill Pullman or uh, Bill Paxton, I'm sorry, uh, directed. He did one other movie about um, golf. I think the greatest game ever played. I don't really care for golf. I care even less about golf movies, so I've never seen it. Um, and I know that he had a, another one that he was working on called Tattoo that he wanted to do with Powers Booth that never came to fruition, so I think it's just a short film. But um, it's a very good movie. Uh, Bill Paxton was a talent not just in front of the camera but behind the camera as well. Um, we certainly lost something when we lost Bill Pullman. So that is it for this episode on Frailty. Um, I am always curious to hear what my listeners have to say about me or about my films that are in my reviews. Um, feel free to email me at youdomoviesbadly at gmail.com. Tweet at me at nolanfixesteeth. Um, catch up on back episodes of ID Movies Badly where you can also chime in on the comment fields at battleshipretention.com. Go to the podcast drop-down menu and find me there or find me on everywhere you get your podcast, iTunes, um, Google Play, 
Spotify, um, they're, they're, they're going to be there waiting for you. So, um, yeah. And also I do movies badly, um, dot podbean dot com. Um, yeah, so that's about it for this. Um, be sure to uh, tune in next week where I'll be wrapping up September, wrapping up the month and the theme of religious horror movies by watching Prophecy, um, and where hopefully I will be just a little bit less ignorant. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 